about 10% of men suffer from prostatitis in their lifetime. That accounts for about 2 million clinical visits a year. <laughs> the problem is that medical treatments don't really work that well for prostatitis. For this particular condition, natural approaches might work best. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my goal to help you resolve some of your urological problems and live better with age as a man. Today, we're going to look at prostatitis. Prostatitis. What is it? What are the symptoms associated with prostatitis? And more importantly, what can we do about it? You know, I remember the first time I saw a case of prostatitis in my office. This was now probably 16 years ago or so, where it was a young man, 25 years old. And I mean, the symptoms were debilitating. I mean, chronic pain around his testicles and his perineal area, chronic lower back pain, likely associated with prostatitis, not from herniated disc or anything, excess urination. I mean, urinary frequency every 30 minutes. And this is a 25-year-old living in New York City, really looking to live the best time of his life, right? This is New York City single guy. And the last thought in his mind was dating or partying or socializing. I mean, he this was just debilitating. He had to take a leave of absence from his job because he couldn't work anymore. This is a 25-year-old young man. And that was the time that I remember going really deep into prostatitis, where I said, this is a huge pain point, and I really want to get down to helping these men with prostatitis. Then I'm talking to my urology colleagues, my urologists' friends and colleagues. At the time, I was at Columbia University. And they're saying, Geo, you can take all these patients. I mean, we really don't know what to do with them. We've been trying, and it's just not much we can do with them. We give them antibiotics. Sometimes they help, oftentimes it doesn't. And if you can help them, you'll have a great practice just on prostatitis. Ever since that point uh, for 16 years, I see a lot of uh, cases of prostatitis, just like prostate cancer and all prostate-related things. And I've come to really learn the pathophysiology of this disease, but as importantly, I think, is the psychology of people with this disease. And really, I can honestly say that my patients get about 50%, if not more, better. By the way, 50% is a huge number in this case. I mean, these are men who've gone to urologists, from urologist to urologist to urologist. They've seen four, five, six, seven urologists before they come see me. Oftentimes getting pro- sometimes a little bit better from antibiotics, but then for the symptoms to return, it's just really chronic. And I can say that my patients, you know, get 50 to 80 to 90% better from some of the things we do that we'll discuss in this podcast. So if you're listening and you suffer from prostatitis, uh, my heart goes out to you. I know what it's like, and I think you could find help out there. All right. And hopefully this podcast will give you some answers that you've been looking for. So let's start with the billion-dollar question here. 
What is prostatitis? What is it? Prostatitis is broken down into four categories. Okay, there's acute bacterial prostatitis. So that's a scenario where the person feels like he's coming down with something or he has like a, like not fluish, but like under the weather, feverish. The prostate feels boggy. It feels heavy in that area. And when you pee, sometimes it feels like sludge or there's white material that comes out of the urine. That's acute prostatitis, probably fever, 100, 101, low grade oftentimes, unless it's a serious infection and there's burning upon urination. So that's acute bacterial prostatitis. Then it's chronic bacterial prostatitis, which is that there's just chronic bacteria on the prostate, not necessarily feverish, though it may be. This constant feeling of, I have a low-grade fever, this constant feeling of heaviness, again, around the prostate. And it's just antibiotics in this scenario just doesn't do anything. If anything, it sometimes makes matters worse. Urine analysis comes out negative. Semen analysis comes out negative. Urine culture is negative. Everything is negative. No signs of bacteria anywhere. And it's just continuous. Then there's category three, chronic prostatitis or chronic pelvic pain syndrome. This is category three. And this is up to 95% of the cases. This chronic prostatitis or chronic pelvic pain syndrome is about 95% of the prostatitis cases that come to the office. We're going to talk about that later and probably spend a lot of time on that one because it's, it's so common. And then finally, there's asymptomatic inflammatory prostatitis where there's no symptoms and you only know that there's prostatitis, there are inflammation of the prostate because there was a biopsy done and it clearly shows there's inflammation in the prostate, but there's no symptoms. We really don't pay a lot of attention to category four prostatitis. It really is the first three that we focus on. About 10% of the population of the male population has had or will have prostatitis. That's a significant number. It causes about 2 million doctor visits a year nationwide in the U.S., probably a lot more than that internationally. And the most common medical treatment for prostatitis is antibiotics. Oftentimes is the most common medical treatment, even if there's no sign or evidence of there being an infection. And in those cases where there is no evidence of an infection, where urine culture comes up negative, semen culture negative, or semen analysis negative, oftentimes that is still the primary form of treatment for about six, seven days, because the assumption is, all right, maybe these tools that we have can't find the bacteria or the infection, but there's probably something there that we need to kill, some bacteria of some sort. For acute bacterial prostatitis, that's the first type, category one, often that requires the use of antibiotics. So a lot of people would say, well, can we use natural antimicrobials to deal with this? Mm, maybe, maybe, but I wouldn't risk it. In this particular scenario, antibiotics work and it works well. And we're going to touch on, and we're going to talk about antibiotics in a little bit because, yes, there is a problem with overuse of antibiotics. And I think that causes more harm than good and oftentimes worsens the symptoms of prostatitis in men. But in a situation where it's very clear, there's evidence that there is bacteria in the prostate, there's fever, you want an antibiotic. I wouldn't mess around with even natural microbials. 
in that scenario. That's just my opinion after seeing many patients and most people do well. Unfortunately, some people develop really bad symptoms from antibiotics, particularly fluoroquinolones. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a bit. So hang in there. Stay with me. Stay with me here. Chronic bacterial prostatitis. Now, in that scenario, so again, this is that patient that tells me, you know, pain around my pelvic area, my testicles hurt, feel uncomfortable. I feel like I'm sitting on top of a golf ball, right? I always feel like under the weather all day, every day. This particular patient probably has an infection that can't be found. And in this particular scenario, I do tend to think that herbal antimicrobials might help, might help this patient population along with other things like anti-inflammatories and what's called nervine type of botanicals. Okay. Again, stay with me here. I'm going to, I'm going to load you up with so much information that hopefully you know what to do with and you can take action. And if you're a practitioner, a healthcare practitioner listening, this information I think will be helpful for you too. Category three prostatitis, chronic prostatitis, CPPS, CPPS, chronic pelvic pain syndrome. I call this particular, and this is, <laughs> this is my own terminology. I call this particular type of prostatitis, the Ivy League disease. The Ivy League disease. Why do I say that? A, because I see a lot of Ivy Leaguers that come to my office, not all the time, but oftentimes with prostatitis, particularly this type, category three prostatitis. And typically these are heavy duty thinkers, right? So to get into an Ivy League, to graduate from an Ivy League school requires really, you know, you're smart, you're a thinker. And oftentimes, again, I'm generalizing here a little bit. So if you're an Ivy Leaguer, this is not, and this does not pertain to you, I'm sorry, but oftentimes there's sort of so much thinking that it causes anxiety and catastrophizing amongst this group. So that's why I, I call it, I have a friend that graduated from Princeton and, and he was blown away when he heard that I call it this. And yes, he's a Princeton grad with chronic prostatitis. So he found that interesting. So chronic prostatitis, category three, comes with a lot of anxiety. Now, what comes first? The anxiety. So this person is already an anxious person. And then they get this or they develop the anxiety from the symptoms that come along with prostatitis, you know, chicken or egg scenario. You know, I don't know for sure and I don't have enough evidence. But in my opinion, I think that the anxiety and the catastrophizing mentality is part of the prototype of the category three prostatitis patient. That's been my opinion. Also, oftentimes, irritable bowel syndrome is associated with prostatitis, category three prostatitis. That's where you have digestive issues, where you can't really digest food. You get bloated very easily. You belch quite a bit or flatulate a lot. You just have a difficult time, you know, these IBS type of syndrome and symptoms. So that's connected to that. Sometimes there used to be, in some cases, there was a bacterial infection that was resolved. And 10, 15 years later, there is a kind of category three scenario where there's just non-bacterial prostatitis. So that could be a cause if there was ever an infection in the past. And there's clearly just a lot of inflammation of the prostate. It's just loaded, you know, with inflammatory markers and I've seen this in biopsy results where I see a biopsy report 
And even in cases where there's no prostate cancer, you oftentimes see inflammation of the prostate right there on the biopsy. There's oftentimes that, and they did a study on autopsies in men, and about 80% of these men, were that when they looked at their prostate, had inflammation in their prostate. So prostatitis or an inflammatory scenario of the prostate is it's a common thing. Sometimes there's a history of sexually transmitted disease. There's an STD, let's say gonorrhea, and that's treated successfully. Then years later, boom, prostatitis symptoms. So there's many things that can cause it, okay? Many, many things. Again, it's, it's correlated with multiple forms of symptoms and, and other syndromes like IBS and, uh, and anxiety and so forth, okay? That's chronic prostatitis. Chronic bacterial prostatitis, again, and I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little repetitive, I just want to make sure that you understand the different types and what to do for the different types. About 80% of the times as E. coli is the bacteria for both acute prostatitis and then chronic bacterial prostatitis, E. coli. It's the most common type. And for chronic bacterial prostatitis, I think that's a scenario where, again, antibiotics work temporarily, but then it keeps recurring. So I think that in many cases, and I do suggest for you to see a healthcare practitioner and probably even, I don't think I'll get any pushback from my medical colleagues where I would say you probably want to see a naturopathic or functional medicine doctor for prostatitis. I think that you'll get more help from practitioners who think outside the box for this. You, you have to think outside the box for this condition. It's a, not an easy condition to treat, certainly not easy to treat medically. And I think that everyone would agree with that. So antibiotics, antibiotics. A colleague who is now at Rutgers but used to be at NYU wrote a very good book. His name is Martin Blazer, and he wrote the book called The Missing Microbe. And it was a popular book, certainly amongst practitioners and scientists, suggesting that the overuse of antibiotics is probably causing more problems than it is beneficial. It's getting rid of the microbiome in the gut. So this is the healthy bacteria. So we have way more healthy bacteria in our guts and in our bodies than, than bad bacteria that are pathogens. In fact, the good bacteria helps us get rid of the bad bacteria in our system. So it's a very important thing. So he makes a statement that overuse of antibiotics is killing all our healthy microbiome and it's causing multiple other diseases or contributing to it, everything from diabetes to psychological components, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and so forth. Within antibiotics, there are numerous categories. And the type of antibiotic that's used most commonly for prostatitis is fluoroquinolones. Fluoroquinolones. This is your Levaquin, Cipro, et cetera. I think they're called different names in, throughout Europe. And fluoroquinolones are known as full-spectrum antibiotics. That means pretty much that it kills everything everything in sight. doesn't matter what type of antimicrobial, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if it looks like a microbe, it'll kill it. And it's very powerful in killing the good bacteria as well, which we don't want. 
in addition, <laughs> I remember back in 2004, I was only about a year in in practice, and I saw these patients who had prostatitis. They were given, let's say, Cipro, and all of a sudden they come in with severe neurological pain from the waist down. I mean, they had all sorts of neurological symptoms, this feeling of like bugs going up their leg, pain, debilitating pain. I also saw active people like runners with prostatitis given Cipro and then coming with ruptured tendons, a ruptured tendon of the Achilles tendon, the tendon that's connected to your, to the heel, the bone of your heel. And I was like, what's going on here? And then I look it up and it's like, nope, there's no, and I keep seeing this, like, what's going on here? And it came a point where I said, look, we, we need to stop. We need to be careful with giving and prescribing so many of these fluoroquinolones to patients. I mean, I'm seeing that they're having these horrible symptoms that they never had before. In 2008, in the U.S., since 2008, it's a black box warning that, yes, indeed, fluoroquinolones can cause ruptured tendons. Uh, this is a now well-known. In fact, in Europe, in Europe, they don't longer prescribe fluoroquinolones without significant symptoms. And if they don't prescribe fluoroquinolones for men with prostatitis in Europe since, I believe, 2016. The other symptoms that occur, as we said, was the central nervous system symptoms of tingling and the sensation around the pelvic area of like electric sensation or just pain or testicular pain or pain and discomfort that runs down the lower extremities. So fluoroquinolones are a big problem. And I think that one needs to be very careful when treating prostatitis with fluoroquinolones. Now, I don't know why this happens to some patients who take fluoroquinolones and not others. I do think that it can be a home run drug if there is indeed acute bacterial prostatitis in play. So for that type of patient, again, that's maybe 2% of what we see clinically. It's a very low percentage, low amount of patients that are seen nationally with acute bacterial prostatitis. But I do think that there might be more benefit than downside. But I say that carefully because if you treat the bacteria and then you have these symptoms that are sometimes continuous and they don't disappear, there's uh, information online and in papers on fluoroquinolone-affected disability. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. If we had a system and we don't yet, and I'm looking for one where we can say, yep, this person has, I don't know, this genetic mutation defect where they're going to get horrible symptoms from fluoroquinolones, then we would know that. I've yet, and I think I'm coming close to finding out what that is, but I'm not there yet. Because again, in, acute, in an acute situation, a fluoroquinolone like Cipro or Levaquin can be extraordinarily helpful and get rid of the, the bacteria. Other antibiotics that can be helpful is doxycycline, sometimes helpful. And that's one that doesn't seem, again, all antibiotics gets rid of the flora, the microbiome, which is not a good thing. So overuse of any antibiotic is 
problematic, and I would be very careful to use antibiotics without need. But doxycycline can possibly help without all the fluoroquinolone type of effects that are involved in, in taking that class of antibiotic. The other medical treatments include alpha blockers. That's to help men with pain. And, and if they have urinary problems, it helps them with their urinary issues. That includes uh, tamsulosin, for example, or a Flomax. That's one of the drugs that's used. And the other class of drug that's used include anti-anxiolytics, which includes antidepressants and gabapentin and so forth to help calm the nerves of the patient because their, their nerves are affected. Prostatitis is a neuropathic disease. What does that mean? That means that the nerves are affected, whether they're affected initially by the bacteria, where they're affected later on after the use of antibiotics or fluoroquinolones. Oftentimes, their nerves, in, particularly in the pelvic area, are hyperactive. And anxiolytics can help with that or some natural approach or approaches that we're going to talk about in, in a minute. So overall, so far, that's the deal with prostatitis. There is, I think, hope. I think a lot of my colleagues in natural medicine um, that are licensed practitioners do a great job in this area. And I think that a good therapist, honestly, can really help these men. Oftentimes, there is tightening of the pelvic muscles and prostate. That causes problems. So you literally... <laughs> Sometimes when I'm seeing a patient and I have to check their prostate and they're clinching and everything feels so hard and stiff around the area and these muscles, I call them a, a tight butt, except I call them a, you know, I don't use the word butt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, they're holding everything in. It's almost like you're holding so many things in and you're tightening up, right? Which is also affecting your digestive system. By the way, constipation is a problem for prostatitis. Those that are constipated and sometimes they go hand in hand. So this really needs to be looked at holistically. You really need to look at the whole system to help men with prostatitis. Okay. So in general, to improve from these prostatitis symptoms, one has to do several things. A, you have to have an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. So that means dietarily, do not eat too many sugars and simple carbohydrates and even gluten, perhaps. I think gluten can be a problem. Honestly, I don't think a lot of these prostatitis red foods are a problem oftentimes. Sometimes there are. So I know spicy food and coffee and alcohol, those are foods that are listed to not eat or consume with prostatitis. I don't see that that often. I think that an anti and sometimes it is, by the way, but not often at all, is a little bit of trial and error. I think staying away from simple carbohydrates, gluten, excess conventional meats that are high in arachidonic acid that just causes more inflammation, that's a good thing. So you want to treat the inflammation. You want to treat the nervous system with deep diaphragmatic breathing, with special focus on exhalation and breathing out. What I ask patients to do is breathe deeply where you're, as you're breathing deeply, your belly expands out, hold for four seconds, and then breathe out, allowing your, your belly to come back in 
for about seven seconds, nothing less than seven seconds. So you keep breathing out because you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system when breathing, specifically when you breathe out. So you want to do that approach for inhale, four hold, seven exhale about five times in one set. And you want to do that two to three times a day. It doesn't take that much time. And it's really helpful, particularly at night, if you're struggling with sleeping at night due to your symptoms. Okay. So you want to calm the nervous system. There's herbs to use for that as well that I use. Again, we're going to talk about natural approaches in a second. And you want to make sure that your digestive system is in good shape. So this is make sure that you're having bowel movements that are smooth. So even if you go every day, but you have to, you know, you struggle to poop, then you shouldn't be, it should be a smooth move. And so make sure that your IBS is taken care of if you have irritable bowel syndrome. Okay. And those are the three main areas. Anti-inflammatories treat the nervous system and make sure that your digestive system is in good shape. Okay. If there is an infection, you treat it acute bacteria with a good antibiotic. And hopefully you could start with doxycycline. Actually, that's what I would recommend. If that doesn't work, then you have to move on to fluoroquinolones. And hopefully you're part of the majority of people who don't get symptoms from fluoroquinolones. Again, I'm looking into methods of figuring out who are these people and why do they have these issues? So stay tuned for that. All right, so Dr. Gio, what are the natural approaches to treat prostatitis? All right, here's the deal. There are many, okay, there are many. Let's start with acupuncture. Actually, acupuncture has, I believe, has shown in studies to be very effective for prostatitis. In fact, I don't know of any other condition where the literature, the scientific literature is so robust where it shows that acupuncture is helpful for that condition like prostatitis. Okay. So acupuncture can help and it works very effectively. No, <laughs> the needles do not go around your penis or even in your prostate, though there is a point that some acupuncturists use that's between the scrotum and the anus. That's called conception vessel one. And sometimes that could be a useful point, but oftentimes the needles go around your lower abdominal area, legs, ankles, feet, and perhaps sometimes lower back for the most part. So get a good acupuncturist. Some of the botanicals and herbal approaches include flower pollen extract. So there's good amount of literature to support the fact that flower pollen extract can be helpful in helping men with prostatitis. It seems to have really good anti-inflammatory properties, and that's very specific to the prostate, it seems, based on the literature. The other is quercetin. Quercetin. Quercetin is an excellent flavonoid found in onions, but I think you need supplementation if you're going to try to help yourself with uh, prostatitis because you're going you're gonna to have to eat a lot of onions to get all that quercetin. And I, I don't know if your people around you will tolerate your breath after <laughs> eating all those onions. But quercetin helps quite a bit. And again, there's literature to support that. The category of botanicals that most people I find are not using 
for prostatitis where I think is super helpful is and are nervines, the nervines. This is a category of herbs that calms down the system. So I would say, you know, these herbs are most important for helping with prostatitis, and that includes scutellaria, okay, or also known as skullcap. And that's my primary nerving that I use clinically and formulations that I've been involved in, okay? But it's not the only one. Lemon balm, it's not anything to do with citrus. So if you're avoiding citrus fruits because you think that it may provoke symptoms, this is not that. Lemon balm, it's not associated with citrus fruits. Melissa officinalis is the other name for that. Excellent for that. Kava. Kava is an excellent botanical for nervine, specifically for prostatitis. There are some case reports showing an increase and in elevation in liver enzymes, but I've used kava successfully many times. I've never seen that, but I think that it can happen. So I think see a practitioner if you're going to use kava so they can measure your liver enzymes. If sleep is a problem, then I would also add perhaps passion flower, hops, valerian, though valerian actually stinks like old socks, old stinky socks. I've never, I remember going to a manufacturing facility of herbs back in the day, and we passed by the section where they were creating a formula that included valerian. Oh my God, that was, it, not even skunks smell that bad. I mean, it's pretty bad, but it's a very good botanical nervine, particularly if there are sleep issues. Okay. So that's what I would use. And essentially those are the botanicals that I would use, or at least those are the nervines I would use. Quercetin, rye pollen extract, and curcumin are the ones that I would use with for anti-inflammatory purposes. And I think that if you combine the anti-inflammatory botanicals with a nervine or two, that should be helpful. That should be really helpful. The other group of nutrients that I use are probiotics to keep the healthy, particularly if there was a lot of um, antibiotic use. Oftentimes, most of the times, most patients that come to me with prostatitis have already used quite a lot of antibiotics. So we want to replenish that with probiotics. And probiotics is my primary therapeutic natural approach for constipation. Is a gentler approach, is not a laxative. And it's my primary, along with drinking plenty of water, I use probiotics as uh, for that and for some cases of prostatitis. In terms of vitamins and minerals, there, I mean, no vitamins per se, but mineral-wise, I'll you want to use magnesium. And if there is indeed constipation, maybe use magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate. If there is no constipation, maybe magnesium malate or magnesium glycinate, which doesn't cost any softening of the stool if that's not what's required or necessary. So magnesium and zinc, though zinc is not associated that I know with prostatitis, but in general, it has a strong affinity to the prostate. The prostate contains I think the second most amount of zinc in the body, number one is the thymus gland, number two is the prostate, and there's a reason for that. So you want to get enough zinc in, not more than 30 milligrams a day, I would say, depending on what the situation is. And lastly, meditation. Meditation. Now, 
I, I don't use even the term meditation much in my practice, but you want to do these deep diaphragmatic breathing exercise as discussed earlier. For some people that is meditation, for other people they need to, you know, sit down in a lotus position on the floor and meditate for 30 minutes to 60 minutes or so. I think that's a lot of time and most people don't have that time. So that's that. Lastly, you don't want to sit down for a prolonged period of time. And I don't think that riding a bicycle is a problem for prostatitis, but I do think that it can make it worse. So that probably does make it a problem, right? So if you do have prostatitis sitting down and a lot of banging up on the pelvic area, that is going to worsen the situation and the symptoms. So you don't want to sit down for prolonged periods of time. So if you work on a desk, you want to a standing desk that you can control. You can lower it if you want to sit down. You can raise it if you want to uh, stand up. You always want to stretch your pelvic area. So a lot of yoga type of stretches work well. Lastly, I, I know I've said lastly a few times. <laughs> Sorry. A physical therapist that specializes in pelvic dysfunction can help. If there's tight muscles in the area, it can help. So they can kind of hit trigger points. Sometimes there's trigger points in there that they can press upon to relax those muscles. And sometimes even a prostate massage helps quite a bit. In fact, the primary form of treating prostatitis back in the day was a prostate massage. There's nothing else. And I think that loss, that loss is popularity just because no one wants to do a prostate massage, not because it's not effective, but I think a prostate massage is very good. All right. Well, that's it for today. Listen, thank you so much for tuning in. And I really appreciate you listening for all this time. I really hope this podcast on prostatitis helps you if you're suffering from prostatitis or if you're a practitioner listening, I hope that you have some idea of how to help your patients with this chronic and really horrible disease. Please share this podcast with friends and family. This is how I get the word around to help as many people as possible. This is Dr. Gio signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.